You are Locked On LSU, your daily podcast on the LSU Tigers. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Okay, let's get it. Locked On LSU, your team every day. I'm Matt Moscona, ESPN Radio, Baton Rouge, New Orleans, Alexandria, CST. And right here for the Locked On LSU podcast, we continue to talk about Miles Brennan's injury and what it means for the LSU quarterback position, Rohan Davey, in just a bit. Uh, but we'll start, though, with the pleasure of being joined by LSU head team physician, Dr. Stephen Etheridge who of the Baton Rouge Orthopedic Clinic, as we mentioned, LSU's head team physician, who obviously couldn't talk specifics about Miles Brennan for some obvious reasons, but we know the report is that it's a broken humorous bone in his left arm, and he was able to walk us through that injury uh, and timeline for recovery. We started by talking about that bone itself, the humerus in the left arm. Yeah, so, so the humerus is, is the upper bone in the arm. So, you know, if we think about it, it's the bone that runs from the shoulder down to the elbow. You know, it's, it's kind of why when you bang your elbow, they talk about hitting the funny bone. Well, the humerus, that's where that comes from. Okay. But with a humerus fracture, you know, it's all relative to where it is. Is it at the shoulder? Is it more of a what we call a mid-shaft fracture? Is it more at the elbow? And, and each one's going to be a little bit different. Obviously, when it's around the joint, you're looking for any further joint injuries or anything of that sort. And then if it's more of a mid-shaft injury, well, then you have to determine the severity. And if, if we're talking about an injury that requires surgery, well, then usually it's a more severe fracture, meaning that it's probably displaced. It's maybe not lined up perfectly. Mm. Uh, and in order for it to heal well, you've got to kind of go and set it back and then put some kind of stability on it, a plate, a screw, something along those lines, depending on the location. Can you elaborate a little bit more on that? Like, is it, if it's, so a displaced fracture obviously means like the bone isn't lined up like you, you alluded to. I think a lot of people know what that is, but if, uh, or, or could, could imagine that. So does it matter where on the arm, like we don't know specifically with Miles, but do we, does it matter where on the arm it would be if you had to go in and place a, a screws or, or a plate or anything like that? It, it does matter. And more about the technical procedure that you're going to do. You know, if it's a, if it's at the joint, it might be handled differently, you know, than if it's more of a shaft injury because you have to consider the moving parts and pieces around it. Would it be a plate where you can, a place where you can put a plate? Would it be somewhere where you have to maybe stabilize a small piece of it? You know, for example, you hear about, you know, some of these kids who will have a, a growth plate injury at the elbow. Well, that's technically part of the humerus mm. as well. But in those, you might just put a screw in to, to, to put the growth plate back where it goes. Whereas if it's more in the mid portion of the arm, you're going to go in with maybe a plate or something along those lines. And, and, and sometimes you even have to do more advanced surgeries, especially if these are like open fractures or things like that, where open meaning that it pushed through the skin. Um, so it's all a little bit of relativity to it, sure. but, but it, it does have a different effect depending on that location. Do those have different um, recovery times as well? They do. They okay. do. And, and you know, with an injury of, of this type, what you have to look at, and the reason why, you know, we talk about indeterminate with some injuries, some are, some are black and white, some aren't. When you're talking about this, you got to see that it's healing. So even if everything is done perfectly, if the surgery goes technically well, sometimes the bone takes longer to grow back. And, and, and regardless of uh, age and health status, just these are sometimes tough locations, and you have to wait and see that that bone is healing. And then based on that, we make determinations for when we can maybe anticipate getting somebody back, whether it's to sports, back to work, or whatever it is they have to do. Is the, and uh, Dr. Stephen Etheridge is our guest uh, from Baton Rouge Orthopedic Clinic. He's on Twitter at LSU Doc Etheridge. He's LSU's head team physician. Um, 
this doesn't seem like a, a, and obviously this didn't happen on a football field, but is this a common football injury? Because I can't ever remember a broken humerus bone before. Yeah, it's not a real common football injury. You know, you'll see it sometimes if you fall and get hit just right or if you maybe were to land on a pile. If you think about the way the humerus, you know, it's not one that is much of a weight-bearing joint like at the wrist or the elbow. If you fall right on it or if you get hit directly on it, it can break. It's kind of like the femur, though, in the lower leg uh, or in the upper part of the leg, but in the leg, Mm. where it's not broken that often. You're definitely right. We don't see it a ton in sports. It will happen. Um, but, but it's more common from, you know, if you were to, you know, fall onto the ground, maybe especially if you were to strike like a curb or something like that, or with a car accident, maybe where you have a really high impact injury, that's the more common, unless there was some kind of a defect in the bone already. Like if you had some kind of a, a bony cyst or something like that, we'll sometimes see that as well. But usually it's something that requires a pretty high impact injury. You know, the only time I really remember this injury is in the movie rookie of the year. Do you remember that movie? Yeah, 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 yeah. So you know when Henry Rowan Gardner fell and he broke his humerus, and then they put him in the cast where his arm was like in the shape of an L. Is Brennan gonna have his arm in a uh, in a Henry Rowan Gardner cast for, for a few months? <laughs> I don't, I don't know if we'll have the Henry Rowan Gardner cast, but hopefully we'll get uh, the, the same end result or comes back better than ever. So I did think about that. So like, is it possible that Brennan could come back and be a lefty throwing like a hundred and ten? You know, I, I can't say it's impossible. I mean, maybe we got to get that L-shaped cast to make it happen. But oh, that'd uh, be so good. Someone get Jay Johnson awesome. on the line. What if we had a dual sports star all of a sudden now? And if oh, that'd like, be amazing. I, I mean, I'm actually kind of pumped about the possibility of that being a thing because I haven't heard anybody else mention this. But I mean, when I heard about the humerus bone, it was the first thing that popped in my head was Henry Rowan Gardner. I mean, I'm kind of, I mean, that kind of excited. What would, by the way, what would a cast for this circle? Would would you put this in a cast? So. For, for, for a humorous injury, honestly, yeah, casting is very hard. Uh, if you think about just where it is in the body, it's, it's, it's a difficult spot. Usually with these injuries in most settings, we're going to put somebody in a sling, like, you, you know, just to immobilize the arm as a whole. There are sometimes these almost clamshell-looking casts that wraps around the arm that can kind of stabilize it in some of these scenarios, but it is a difficult area to cast because it, it's, it, it's, it's so high up that you can still move your shoulder if you're in a cast usually. Um, okay, let's see. So, theoretically, is it one of those things where if you could handle the pain, you could play with a, with a cast on? Um, unfortunately, this spot would be tough because it is so it, where the location is. I think, I think obviously pain control is important, but you also don't want to put somebody out there and, you know, especially in SEC football where they're going to be at risk of, of re-injuring this thing. You know, I think, you know, it's kind of, kind of the same way to some extent with the breeze injury that he had with the multiple rib fractures, you know, wow. obviously there was pain control, but he had such a significant injury. You didn't want to put him back out there and risk for, you know, another punctured lung. So it, it, while a punctured lung isn't the risk, you don't want to put him in harm's way. So I think with this one, we do have to wait until it's healed. At least it is his non-throwing arm. You know, that is something that, you know, with these type of injuries you have to consider in a quarterback, obviously, but it's still got to be something where we feel safe before, before we let our players go out there. What is the range? And understanding what you said, that there's a, it really depends on the severity of the location. There's different times. But what would be the range from like least severe to most severe for recovery? Sure. So for recovery to play sports, obviously, is different too. So if this is me, I could probably be back at my job you know, within a few days, maybe limited, but you know, I'm not doing a lot of stress on my arm. 
for a football player, like I said, we got to let it heal all the way. For normal fracture recovery, you're looking at, you know, at least six to eight weeks. Tumorous fractures sometimes take a bit longer. You really want to, you know, I think that would be the absolute short end. And even then, that's not a time frame you'd be realistic with uh, to feel 100% safe unless everything just went perfect. Um, but it, it can vary, you know, anywhere from that range all the way up to, you know, another month or two beyond that, just depending mm-hmm. on how his body responds. That's what makes it tough. I mean, is it one of those things where, obviously speculative, where you hear that and you go, that's oh, that's season ending? It, it, I wouldn't go that far at this point. I think, I think you know, obviously we're going to be optimistic. Yeah. Um, you know, especially at least we still have, you know, the season doesn't start for another month. Um, and at least, you know, with these type of injuries, if things are going well, you know, you can at least it isn't his throwing arm. I think if it was a throwing arm injury at this point, it, it would be hard to imagine seeing seeing somebody come back from that type of an injury at least in the same season, but at least, you know, it's not that scenario. So we don't have to rehab the arm as effectively as you would for that, but they have to be safe to play a contact sport, you know, and that's, that's going to be the big issue. So the good news is that it looks like not season ending, but an eight week or longer time frame likely here for miles. Brennan, uh, what does that mean for the quarterback position? We'll ask, a former quarterback, Rohan Davey, in just a moment. But i got to remind you about BetOnline.ag. BetOnline.ag, your online sportsbook expert, the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your sports action. Tigers open camp on Friday. You want to make a futures bet on this season? You can do it at BetOnline.ag. If you want to place your prop bets, like Heisman Trophy winner odds, things like that, you can do it at BetOnline.ag. BetOnline.ag. Free to sign up, get to the mobile app, betonline.ag, and use the code locked on, one word locked on, to get a 50% welcome bonus. That's at betonline.ag. Betonline.ag, your online sportsbook experts. March Madness is right around the corner. If you want to win your office pool, you need to stay caught up with all the college basketball action with the Locked On College Basketball Podcast. Every Monday, Andy Patton and Isaac Shade recap the biggest stories in college basketball, keep you up to date on the NCAA tournament bubble, and get you ready for the upcoming week of games. From the Big East to the Mountain West and everywhere in between, Andy and Isaac have college hoops covered on the Locked On College Basketball Podcast. Available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Now that we've looked at the timeline and the recovery for Miles Brennan, we look ahead to what we know, which is that Max Johnson is going to be the starting quarterback. Every week during the season, we have a chance to visit with former LSU quarterback Rohan Davey, who was kind enough to join us, and did ask and start with how different camp will look now with only two scholarship quarterbacks, knowing that Max Johnson is the guy. Well, different now in the sense of I don't have to worry about distributing reps as evenly as it was, as they were trying to do it before. Um, now the concentration should or will be um, definitely making sure Max is in enough situations throughout training camp and definitely making sure that there's a package put together for the young, for the young kid that, that he understands, that he can run with his eyes closed. He's a very smart uh, young quarterback. So um, that's the that's, you're talking about Nussmeyer the, there. Yeah, I'm talking about Nussmeyer. Okay. Now just getting him because um, he he has to speed up now um, his progress. 
and, and, and because now he's the backup. And so now he has to speed that up. And the coaches, Coach Pease, Coach Ogeron, man, those guys now just have to put a package together for him. They know what he's good at. They know his strengths and weaknesses. And, and now I just get him also enough reps in practice, before practice, after practice, um, film. You know, those guys know what to do. But that's that's the where now you, you flip from having to go from having, you know, two guys I'm trying to decide who's the starter to now I know the starter and I have to get the, the young backup ready. So I, you alluded to something which I said yesterday, which is the, the singular benefit really is that you can give Max Johnson now all of the first team reps in camp. But where, so, and you just said that, but where is that really noticeable? Like why is that significant? Well, it's significant. it's significant because they're young. It's significant because they're young quarterbacks. It doesn't matter. Well, it does matter if they would have played a bunch of snaps last year, which, you know, that doesn't categorize a bunch of snaps, uh, the games that he played in. But it it, 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 it just helps him tremendously, man, because at the position, in any position that you do, the more reps you can get at it, the more times you can see that defense rotating, the more times you can get that rapport with Booty, the more times you can get that rapport with the rest of those receivers, that's the importance of it. Just the reps instead of it's always you know they always say to sit back and take mental rep, mental rep, mental rep. But if you can sit back and if you can physically do it and get you know eight reps at it that day, whereas opposed to you is getting three, maybe four. I mean that's 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 a lot. Does it a lot? So that that to me is the biggest plus for Mac. Does it matter? Um... With respect to possible, you know, possibly guys on the team picking sides, where you know you might have had some guys that thought Mac should have been the starter, and some guys that thought um, you know Miles should have been the starter. Like now, you avoid that. Like, is, does that matter? Um, I think it matters if you didn't have if you didn't have a strong unit. Like, if the team wasn't just a strong unit, mm-hmm. but I think. With this team and the coaches that they brought in, I've said before that one of the biggest things that I've seen in this offseason with our football team as opposed to the last offseason is the fact that those guys like each other. Those coaches like each other. The players like the coaches. The players aren't talking trash about the coaches. They're taking, they're learning from the Andre Carter. They're learning from the Jones. They're learning from the guys, the new guys that they brought in. The new, the, 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 the guys on the team, they respect and, and, and appreciate how the new coaches, as well as mixing with the old coaches, are treating them, how they're going about their business. And it's showing them everything that they're doing. So to, to that question, I don't think you would have a problem. I think the guys just want the best person for the job. Rowan Davies with us. Chats all season long brought to you by South Point Volkswagen. Ro will be with us again this fall on Tuesdays. Um, I wanted to ask you also about whether or not the offense changes now, not well, two part. Number one, mm-hmm. because of the skill set of Max as opposed to Miles, is Max is a little more is more athletic and you know has that skill set. But also, because you don't have depth now, mm-hmm. are they less likely to use Max Johnson in the run game? I don't think so. I don't think so, and I don't think that the playbook or anything like that changed. I think these guys always had a couple different plays that you would utilize Max's legs a little bit more, whether it's moving the pocket, 
and things of that nature. I'm sure they know that Miles is, is, is more of a, you know, a Tom Brady-like with throws from the pocket, more the pocket passer. Um, I think that what it does, it goes back into the same field we had when Joe was here, and not to put them in the same light, but as far as Max knowing when the journey's over, knowing when not to take those big shots, knowing when to get rid of the football, get out of bounds. Um, so I think that's what has to change for him. Uh, not necessarily so much because we saw even with Joe, when I, you know, early on, it was like, no, don't run him, don't on this. Hey, that's part of his game. You know what I mean? So I don't think you could go in and scared, but I think he, I think Max could do his part on the field as far as just knowing when it's over and not when to just lay it on the line. If it's first and you got a penalty and it's now first and five and you're out the pocket trying to run, there's no need to go diving head first or take on, you know, a linebacker or a safety coming down to pick up a yard in his first down, that type of thing. You have to understand that. wanted to ask you one follow-up on Nussmeyer. You said the coaches should have a you know, a package for him. Um, what do you mean? Well, just a number of plays that you know that he executes well because you're not going to give him the same plays as, as, as Max. So you know that he has a whatever his is his limitations or non limitations are. You know that he has a know that he has a number of plays for him. Pass plays on speaking because run game. We all should know the run game is QBs. I don't care if you come in as a freshman or he's six to seven years old. Run game is the run game. You just hand it off on screens. I should know the run game. Uh, what I'm just speaking of is his check. Whether they're giving him two two plays to go to the line, he knows those two plays like the back of his hand. He has you know fourteen to fifteen pass plays that he knows like the back of his hand, that he knows where guys are going to be. There's no question when it's called, he's not thinking, he's reacting. So that's what I mean by the coaches have to put a package together for him. Is that because if there were an injury, a knock on wood, but if there were an injury or some reason Max had to leave the game and Garrett went in, it's like, all right, all right here's the things we know that he's comfortable with. It's just a pared Correct. down offense? Correct. Okay. It, it, and I think it would be scaled down. I mean, I don't... You know, I think it would be scaled down. He's a very, very bright kid, but he's also coming into a situation, coming out of high school, so on and so forth. And some guys could pick it up. I'm not going to put any limitations on him, but initially that would be it for me. Scale it down a little bit, get, you know, 15 to 17 pass plays that he knows at the back of his hand. And, and of all different sides, you know, play action. You know what his skill sets are. He's a get-out-the-pocket type of guy, moving type of guy. So, you know that that and bring all those all of his all of his skill sets into play, which are wonderful. He has a wonderful skill set. Of course, we're looking forward to having Roback with us every week uh, during this upcoming football season, and always look forward to telling you about Built Bar and BuiltBar.com. They are the best tasting protein bar in the world. If you tune on uh, tune into the Olympics, uh, you'll notice the U.S. track and field athletes eating Built Bar because Built Bar is the official protein bar of the U.S. track and field team, which is awesome that they're over there in Tokyo competing. And, you know, when you grab a Built Bar, you're grabbing the same protein-packed snack that the U.S. track and field team is reaching for there in Tokyo. It's Built Bar, soft and chewy like a candy bar, high-protein, high-fiber, low-calorie, low-sugar, gluten-free. It's perfect for the keto diet. This is actually a protein bar that tastes great and is healthy for you. It's Built Bar online. BuiltBar.com. Order yours at BuiltBar.com. 
Use the code LOCKED15, that's LOCKED15, to get 15% off your order at BuiltBar.com. LSU landed its first commitment for the signing class of 2023. Obviously, a ton of excitement around the 2022 class. And uh, last week, getting the the commitment from uh, Mason Taylor, the tight end out of Florida, Emory Jones as well. Disappointment with what happened with Jacoby Matthews decommitting, but uh, there's still an opportunity potentially to get him back. Well, LSU with uh, an early get for the class of 2023 with um, Omarion Miller. Omarion Miller is a wide receiver out of North Caddo, which is up, obviously, in, in North Louisiana. 6'2", uh, He is the number 243 overall prospect in the country. The 29th best receiver in the country. And the ninth best player in the state of Louisiana. So we've talked about this a lot, right? Obviously, putting the fence around the state, keeping the best players at home. They're doing that this year in 2022, which has a big bumper crop in the state. Already getting a good jump start here for 2023, getting Omarion Miller uh, already into the class. But I, I bring this up in particular, and I'm y'all know I'm not I'm not the guy that's like out scouting high school player. I just Come on, like I, that's not me. The guys that do it, good on them. That's why we have a lot of them on the show that know that sort of stuff, and, and we trust them. But for me to tell you if I thought a 15-year-old is going to project well at the next level, I don't know. But this caught my attention. Reagan Smith is the OC at North Caddo. So the offensive coordinator there at where, um, where O'Marion Miller plays. And this is what he said, and this is what caught my eye. He compared him to former five-star Terrace Marshall. He said, quote, He's got the size like Terrace had when he was a sophomore, but he has better short space ability than Terrace had. That's what separates the two. Terrace is going to get his in the NFL, and O'Marion's ceiling is extremely high, even a little higher. Yo. Now, I get it. We're talking about a guy who's going into his junior year of high school, compared to a former five-star who blew up at LSU and is now in the NFL. So there's a long way to go for O'Marion Miller. But you're talking about a guy who just finished his sophomore year of high school who averaged 27.8 yards per reception, which is just... I mean, think about that for a second. Every time he caught the ball, he averaged 27.8 yards per... (laughs) It's it's so stupid. But anyway, um, it's really exciting to have his OC make that competence. He's actually, at this point, as a sophomore, finishing his sophomore year, going into his junior year, a little better than Terrace was at this point. Long way to go, but that's exciting. The other thing that's really interesting, remember, for 2023, the number one player in the country is Arch Manning. He's also the number one player in the state. Um, The number two player in the state of Louisiana for 2023 is Shelton Sampson. And Shelton Sampson is um, another receiver from Catholic High here in Baton Rouge who's a five-star, again, the number two player in the state. And then you've got O'Marion Miller, who's the ninth best player in the state. I always tell you, I'm never worried about LSU with receivers. There's always tall, fast, athletic dudes that are going to be able to run and catch the ball. And this state just churns them out. So O'Marion Miller already committed here for the class of 2023. And if LSU is... um, If LSU is able to get... Shelton Sampson as well, on top of the class they have right now and the receivers they just signed with the likes of Chris Hilton and 
uh, the, this whole group that um, you know, Brian Thomas from Walker is really excited to think about the future of that receiver position as well, coupled with how well LSU has recruited at quarterback. They could be stockpiling right there on the offensive side of the ball. All right, that'll do it for us here on a hump day edition of the Locked On LSU podcast. Make sure that you're subscribed to the Locked On Bets podcast. Betting on the Tigers or the Saints doesn't have to be a guessing game if you listen to the new Locked On Bets podcast. Daily picks, blowout specials, wrong team favored picks. Follow the Locked On Bets podcast brought to you by betonline.ag, wherever you get your podcast. Of course, we appreciate it if you subscribe up here to the Locked On LSU podcast. Until next time, it is Locked On LSU, your team every day.